and Sundays at 1500 and 2000 UTC. Stand up! Stand up! Stand up! Stand up! Friends, we can all listen to the sunny side of sports. Great show, bro. This is sunny side of sports. Right here on the Voice of America. Voice of America! Sporty greetings to all our Voice of America listeners. This is VOA's Sonny Young in Washington. Welcome to the November 15th edition of the Sunday side of sports. The U.S. men's national soccer team is in Qatar preparing for its 11th World Cup appearance. The Americans are in Group B in Qatar along with England, Iran and Wales. Now, the USA's best World Cup showing came at the inaugural World Cup in 1930 when it finished third behind Argentina and the champion host country, Uruguay. Keep in mind, though, that first World Cup had only 13 teams compared with the 32 that will compete in Qatar. Also, please note, Qatar 2022 will be the last World Cup with 32 teams. The 2026 FIFA World Cup to be hosted by the United States, Canada, and Mexico is set to expand to 48 teams. The USA team will kick off its World Cup campaign November 21st when it plays Wales. After a training session, the USA's head coach, Greg Berhalter, and goalkeeper Sean Johnson appeared at a news conference in Qatar's capital, Doha. Coach Berhalter commented on the team's rainbow-themed logo inside the team's training facility, which he says shows support for the LGBTQ community. Yeah, we've been talking to the team for the last 18 months about, um, about Qatar about some um, social issues in Qatar. And we think it's important, like, wherever, you know, I, I think that, um, you know, when we are on the world stage and we are in a venue like Qatar, it's important to, to bring awareness to these issues. And that's what Be The Change is about. Um, and, you know, it's, it's not just stateside that we want to bring attention to social issues. It's also um, abroad. And, you know, we recognize that Qatar has made strides and there has been a ton of progress, but there's still some, some work to do. And it's just about Be The Change basically represents everyone's um, individual opportunity to, to make change and to have change start with them. So I think it's appropriate that we have it here as well. The U.S. Soccer Federation says it will exhibit the rainbow colors at the team's training base and the team hotel but the American players will not wear the rainbow crest on match uniforms. Homosexuality is illegal in Qatar. World Cup organizers in Qatar say they welcome all visitors, regardless of sexual orientation or background. And world governing body FIFA has called on players, fans, and all concerned to focus on the football in Qatar. Human rights groups, though, have criticized Qatar's treatment of migrant workers, women, and the LGBTQ community. 
USA goalkeeper Sean Johnson says he and his teammates have talked about social issues in the buildup to the World Cup. Yeah, absolutely. I think, you know, it's a, it's a sign of our, our values and what we represent um, as, as a men's national team in U.S. soccer. And uh, we're, we're a, group, a group that believes in inclusivity. Um, and we'll continue, continue to project that message going forward and continuing to have discussions as we, as we lead into the games. Um, and uh, I think we've, we've leaned on the message of be the change. And that's, that's something uh, that we've been really proud of and obviously um, continue to work towards uh, being impactful um, with, with ourselves, with our presence, our platform. Um, we'll continue to do so here in Qatar. That's American goalkeeper Sean Johnson speaking in Qatar ahead of Sunday's kickoff of the World Cup football tournament. It is the biggest sports event of the year. The 2022 World Cup in Qatar. Join VOA to celebrate Africa's king's sport. In-depth coverage, pre- and post-game analysis, breakout stars, Cinderella teams, coaches, players, and let's not forget the fans from the four corners of the continent. And from the city of Doha. We'll be there throughout the competition. Don't miss the fun with Team VOA Africa. Let's experience the magic of football together. With Qatar 2022 kicking off in five days, I'm joined now for some World Cup analysis by my friend and colleague, Muckbill Yabaro. Sporty World Cup greetings, Muckbill. Sporty World Cup greetings to you too, Sonny. Muckbill, the Black Stars of Ghana will be making their fourth World Cup appearance in Qatar. They're in Group H, along with Portugal, Uruguay, and South Korea. Who are the players to watch for the Black Stars? Sonny, this is a tough group that Ghana finds themselves in. Portugal, the clear favorite of the group, and then it's anyone's game after that, as they say. (laughs) As for the players to watch, I'd have to start off with Daniel Amarte, the center back that plays for Leicester City. With his experience playing at a high level both for his club and his national side, I'd also have to add the captain of the Black Stars, Andrew Ayu. Even though he's uh, 32 years old, he has the veteran leadership that this team will need to make it happen. After having played in both France and England for elite teams, he is now with the Qatari side Al-Sad. Hopefully playing in Qatar gives his team the calm that they need in this group. Lastly, I'll have to say Abdul Fatuwu Ishahaku the 18-year-old attacking midfielder, and he's already played for the Ghanaian national side and is playing for the Portuguese Giants Sporting CP. For him to be playing at this level at this age means he will be a problem for years to come. Muckbill, Ghana's head coach, Otto Addo, played for the Black Stars at the 2006 World Cup in Germany. How can such World Cup playing experience help in his coaching role? Sonny, similarly to Ali Ucise, Otto Addo is going to be coaching from a place of experience. When you're able to get your players to buy into your strategy and they know what you've been able to accomplish in your career, it is very helpful. Also, here's another African coach coaching a team that he's played for in the past and his past experience may make him relatable to the younger and less experienced players. 
the Black Stars might be my sentimental favorite when it comes to Africa's five World Cup-bound teams. My very first trip to Africa was in 2001 when I traveled to Ghana. And, Muckbill, I also have fond memories of doing World Cup Q&As with the voice of America's late, great, gallant Ghanaian, King Richard Cote. King Richard loved the Black Stars, Muckbill. But sentiment aside, Muckbill, this looks like a very tough group for Ghana. The Black Stars kick off their World Cup campaign on November 24th against Cristiano Ronaldo in Portugal. How do you see that match, Muckbill? Sonny, I'm not going to sugarcoat it for the Black Stars, but they have a very, very tall task in that match against Portugal. Also, Cristiano Ronaldo is at the tail end of his career and has had his own issues with his club, Manchester United, where the world fell in love with his playing style for years. If the Black Stars can keep the likes of Ronaldo from playing his style of finesse football and get physical, they'll stand their best chance in that game. Honestly, a win against the Portuguese side would be unreal. But even a draw in that group stage would do wonders for the Black Stars. Muckbill Ghana will wrap up World Cup group play against Uruguay on December 2nd. The Black Stars, of course, lost in controversial fashion to Uruguay in the World Cup quarterfinals in South Africa in 2010. Is revenge a factor, Muckbill? Or is that loss so long ago, it simply doesn't matter much now to this current batch of Black Stars? Sonny, that match was 12 years ago, and the team is almost completely different, but I feel like that game shocked all of Africa and not just Ghana. To say that there won't be any feeling of revenge would be an understatement. And Luis Suarez is going to be on that squad playing against Ghana, so it will be a factor, I believe. Also, any reason you can have to want to go into a game extra hard for a specific match, you'll use anything to get out of those group stage matches. Muckbill, in late September, in a friendly World Cup warm-up match, Ghana defeated Nicaragua 1-0 on a goal by 18-year-old Abdul Fatou Isahaku, another young Black Stars player, 22-year-old Mohamed Kudus, has been earning kudos playing for Ajax in Europe. Muckbill, do you see these young black stars shining brightly in Qatar? Sonny, it is funny you mentioned these bright young stars. I had previously mentioned Abdul Fatou Ishaku in the key players to watch. And if I could have added just one more player, it would have been Mohamed Kudus. These young stars play with so much heart and conviction and aren't scared of the big moment. Be prepared for them to look great, and I really think they will shock us in these group stages. That's all from me. Back to you, Sonny. Thanks, Muckbill. That's my VOA colleague, Muckbill Yabaro, speaking with us here in Washington. Hey, football fans, FIFA's World Cup 2022 kicks off in Qatar in just a few days. Join Sonny Young and myself, Muckbill Yabaro, every weekend on Nightline Africa when we bring you On Goal with Sonny and Muckbill. We will bring you everything World Cup related. Tune in starting next Saturday at 16.05 UTC. 
Thanks again, Muckbill. Muckbill mentioned 22-year-old Ajax man Mohamed Kudus. Kudus says he's looking forward to making his World Cup debut and that the target for the Black Stars is to advance past the group stage. It feels um, really good, to be honest, but, I mean, it will be even more better with the with better performances and and leave a mark over there. I mean, the goal is not just to to just play at the World Cup and then does it, but the goal is to 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 leave a mark as a nation, and and we really want to do well. So that's the goal. It's not just going to the World Cup, but it's 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 making a mark and leaving good performances when we go there. I think my personal goal comes comes with the team, honestly, because. Um, Without the team uh, making it far, then all the personal goals don't really uh, come in. So, like I said before, it's the main goal is to help the team get out of the group because the, the further we go in, the more they see the individuals. So the, the goal is for the team to, to, to get out of the group stages and then the further we go in the tournament, I think the more... Um, Light comes on the individual, so it's all for the, for, for the team. You know. That's Mohamed Kudus, one of 26 players selected for Ghana's World Cup football team. I'm VOA's Sonny Young in Washington, and you're listening to the sunny side of sports on The Voice of America. Follow the sunny side of sports on Facebook and Twitter. My Facebook address is facebook.com forward slash VOA Sunny. And my Twitter handle is at VOA Sunny Sports. On the next Straight Talk Africa, we'll discuss the UN climate conference underway in Egypt. Global leaders attending COP27 are exploring ways to tackle climate change. Are advanced economies at fault? And what is owed to countries and communities bearing the brunt of the climate crisis? Join me, Heidi Adams, on the next Straight Talk Africa. In African women's club football... The host team, Asfar of Morocco, dethroned Mamelodi Sundowns of South Africa Sunday 4-0 to lift its first CAF Women's Champions League trophy in Rabat. For reaction, Iron Mike Mbonye called Rabat, where he reached African women's football analyst Sam Amadou. Honestly, I think it was a, a very enterprising final, one that many did not anticipate, especially on the standard of the fact that Babalu uh, Sanders, who are the core holders, uh, were heavy favorites, especially understanding how they've also come through the competition, not losing any game during, uh, in the last uh, previous outings, especially in nine previous games. And uh, looking at how much they've also started off with the competition, uh, scoring with some aplomb, and I think uh, having 11 or 12 goals, you know, reaching the final just in four games uh, wouldn't be a surprise that they will scale through uh, winning, defending their title. But, you know, surprisingly, uh, the Moroccan side, who are hosts, uh, definitely were keen to banish the memories of uh, what happened to their national side in July, uh, which uh, we could see that quite a number of their players still dominate. Uh, the national team. So uh, it was uh, quite a, a, a spirited display from the uh, hosts. 
also an incredible uh, performance if you ask me on the night that they managed uh, to upstage uh, the South Africans and and uh, create a history for themselves, you know, becoming the first North African side uh, to win Bonians and Women's Champions League for the first time. Bayonsa Queens of Nigeria won the third place game. What's your take on their maiden outing at the championship? Yeah, for Bayonsa Queens winning uh, the third place match, I think it's a, it's a rewarding ending for them, especially knowing that they were up for their first appearance in the competition. And, you know, taking a clue from how Asfa also did come through, uh, they were also last time out uh, third place finishers, and now they're champions. I think it's somewhat helps them to really grow uh, confidence. It also gives them a more moments to serve, I'd say, uh, from the competition, especially on uh, their first appearance. At the same time, also give them a more hunger to really fast for uh, the bigger one, which is the title. So I think uh, it also shows to you that uh, we are having three emerging powerhouses in uh, women's football. We, we've seen how Morocco and South Africa has dominated the women's game in 2022. And this speaks volume about the emerging forces uh, in African women's football. Uh, I think this also, it's also reflects uh, the level of investment when we look at uh, the domestic leagues and how much they've been strengthened by the various federations. So I think uh, it's just uh, a, a, a flash in the pan you see Nigeria, the Nigerian side, which everyone on a good day will have really favored to possibly winning uh, the competition. But unfortunately, uh, they couldn't get to win. But again, getting a third place a crown, I think, is somewhat uh, inspires them to come in and uh, turning out better uh, in the next edition. But at the same time, it's also uh, give an instructive message to uh, the government of Nigeria and the football federation to really look how best to emulate the like of South Africa and Morocco uh, in putting more investment, uh, more investment into women's football and ensuring that the league, which is uh, the ingredients of the national team, which is a platform where the national, national team uh, should grow from, uh, should uh, get more attention. Sam, do you think African women's football is on the rise from your observations at the CAF Women's Champions League? There's no missing words about this. The game, the women's game, uh, has really uh, made a giant stride in Africa. And uh, seeing what has happened just in the last seven months, I think, coupled with what we saw, especially from the qualifiers and also uh, looking through the women's AFCON and server, the, the, the uh, 12th edition with 12 teams for the first time. Uh, it shows to you that the game has evolved and it's also exposed to everyone uh, in Africa that it is just a surmountable pace, surmountable space, uh, gap, I must say, between uh, the, 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 the powerhouses and also the countries really pushing uh, to move to the next level. So I think the gap is pretty close. And we can see a country like Morocco, who possibly on the national front, having invested for three years, especially since launching their uh, women's football uh, strategy in 2019, they are already breaking grounds. They are already uh, getting rewards and seeing the fruits of the investment they are making domestically. And I think this is what it's already snowballing to saying that all the African countries must push forward to ensure that, yes, they must make good uh, investment, the talents are there across Africa, and we must uh, take advantage of this uh, rich talent bank that we do have in the continent. 
That's Sam Amadou, an African women's football analyst. And Sam spoke with Iron Mike Mbonye on the telephone from Rabat, Morocco. Hello, listeners. My name is Majida Nantanda. I'm a former Christed Crane captain, former national team Christed Crane coach, and now a calf coaches instructor. Listen to Sunny Side of Sports on Voice of America. This is Heather Maxwell, host of Music Time in Africa. Join me every Saturday and Sunday for an hour of awesome African music. Wake up, dance this music. Like to stay on top of new music trends? Breakout artists? New releases? Maybe you just love the classic styles and artists of the past. Or simply the sound and feel of a good beat. Whatever your pleasure, you can get it every week right here on Music Time in Africa. So join me on your local FM station Saturdays and Sundays at 1500 and 2000 UTC. Thanks, Heather. That's Heather Maxwell the host of Music Time in Africa, the voice of America's longest-running English-language program. It was founded in 1965 by the late, great Leo the Music Man Sarkeesian. If you're keeping score, sunny side of sports listeners, that means Music Time in Africa has been around for 57 years in the voice of America's proud 80-year broadcasting history. This is the voice of America. Washington, D.C. Washington's American-style professional football team, nicknamed the Commanders, previously nicknamed the Redskins, pulled off a big upset Monday night in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. The Commanders defeated the previously unbeaten Philadelphia Eagles in National Football League action. The AP's Michael Luongo reports from Philadelphia. The Commanders handed the Eagles their first loss of the season as they went on to a 32-21 win. Washington took the lead late in the second quarter with a one-yard touchdown run by Brian Robinson. Antonio Gibson also had a touchdown run. Taylor Heineke threw for 211 yards for the Commanders, who even their record the 5-5. Five and five. We understand where we're at, and we just need to keep winning. Uh, the guys come in every day and work hard, so you know I'm very excited where we're at. Jalen Hurts threw for two touchdowns, ran for another in a loss that dropped the Birds' record to 8-1. I wasn't entertaining it at all. Um, you obviously want to win all the games. You play in, you know, and tonight wasn't, wasn't our night, you know. Um, um, I think in terms, of, like I said, the... The message for me is control the things that you can. And when you do that, you got a, you got a pretty good opportunity to, to be victorious in the end. Michael Luongo, Philadelphia. Thanks, Michael. Washington wide receiver Terry McLaurin caught eight passes for 128 yards as his team took command in Philadelphia. You know, we had confidence coming in this game if we can make a four-quarter game. Um, if we can um, set the tone physically. Um, and make plays down the field, convert on third downs, 
um, you know, we felt like we had a chance to to win this game. And, you know, that's a great team over there. Obviously, you could tell by their record. But NFC's football, you never know what could happen. I know what happened Monday night in the National Basketball Association. The Boston Celtics won their seventh consecutive game. That makes the Celtics the hottest team in the NBA right now. The Celtics beat the visiting Oklahoma City Thunder 126 to 122. Marcus Smart scored 20 of his 22 points in the second half for the Celtics. Now, Boston trailed by as many as 15 points in the third quarter, but it outscored Oklahoma City 37 to 26 in the fourth quarter. Jason Tatum had 27 points and 10 rebounds for the Celtics. Jalen Brown scored 26 points and Al Horford added 12 points and 11 rebounds. Sporty greetings. This is Masai Ujiri, the president of Toronto Raptors Basketball, president of Giants of Africa Foundation. You are listening to the sunny side of sports on The Voice of America. Masai Ujiri's Toronto Raptors snapped a three-game losing streak Monday night with a victory in Detroit, Michigan. The Raptors spread their wings and defeated the Detroit Pistons by a score of 115 to 111. Now the Raptors played without three injured players, including Cameroonian star Pascal Siakam, who was sidelined with an abdominal strain. The five other winners on Monday night in the NBA were the Charlotte Hornets, the Miami Heat, the Los Angeles Clippers, the Atlanta Hawks, and the defending NBA champion, Golden State Warriors. It is the biggest sports event of the year. The 2022 World Cup in Qatar. Join VOA to celebrate Africa's king's sport. In-depth coverage, pre- and post-game analysis, breakout stars, Cinderella teams, coaches, players, and let's not forget the fans from the four corners of the continent and from the city of Doha. We'll be there throughout the competition. Don't miss the fun with Team VOA Africa. Let's experience the magic of football together. Let's now experience the magic of those World Cup opening matches together. As my buddy Sunday Shomari so eloquently puts it, football's premier event will kick off on Sunday, November 20th, when Qatar will play Ecuador. The big game will take place at the Al-Bayit Stadium, located about 35 kilometers from the capital, Doha. There will be an opening ceremony and I know, I know the fans will be celebrating the first World Cup ever held in an Arab country. On Monday, November 21st, there will be three more World Cup matches. England will play Iran in a Group B fixture. And that will be followed by the first African team to get on the pitch. The Lions of Taranga from Senegal go up against the Netherlands in a Group A fixture. Fingers crossed that Senegal's captain, 
the inspirational two-time African footballer of the year, Sadio Mane, will be able to play against the Dutch. Mane injured last week while playing for Bayern Munich. He suffered a leg injury. And right now, still a lot of question marks about his fitness and whether he'll play at the World Cup. And the final World Cup match on Monday, November 21st, will feature the USA going up against Wales. We heard earlier in the show from the USA's head coach, Greg Berhalter, and goalkeeper Sean Johnson. On Tuesday, November 22nd, more World Cup matches. Argentina will play Saudi Arabia. Denmark will take on Tunisia. Mexico will play Poland. And defending World Cup champion France will face Australia. And that wraps up the November 15th edition of the show. I get it. Thank you for tuning in. Sonny Young in Washington.